Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing today? 9.15, you're doing okay, you're doing okay. I like it, I like it, I like it. Good to see you guys today. I am um, I'm, I'm super excited about, uh, about today's message I got to be honest, though, I'm also a little bit nervous um, about today's message. You know, um, uh, I've been charged as the pastor of this church to preach the whole counsel of God. And so sometimes that means that I have to talk about some subjects that maybe we're a little uncomfortable with or we don't like to talk about all that much. And today is kind of one of those days. And in fact, it's the first time as the pastor of this church that I've ever talked about this subject, but I'm going to make a commitment to you that as long as I am the pastor of this church, we're going to continue to talk about this subject because Jesus talked about this subject more than any other thing that he ever talked about. And so if you've got your Bible or a smart device, I wanna invite you to some of you like, what is it? What is it? Well, we'll get there, we'll get there. If you got your Bible or a smart device, I wanna invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew, the, the Bible's divided up into these two um, big chunks. You've got the Old Testament um, at the beginning and then you've got the New Testament um, is that second big chunk. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And we lump it in with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we call those the Gospels. And the Gospel, uh, gospel that word means good news. And the reason we call those good news is because they tell the story of Jesus. And um, not only the story of his life, but a lot of the things that he said, a lot of the things that he taught. And today, we're going to be looking at one of the passages that he taught. So Matthew, and we're going to land in chapter 25 in just a moment. Chapter 25 in just a moment. So Matthew 25. Um, now, Crystal just talked about dads. I'm a dad. I've got two kids, Luke and Avery. You hear me talk about them all the time. They're daddy's little sermon illustrations. Um, Luke's 13. Avery is 10. And uh, for, for my, wife, my wife, Sarah, and I, it is an absolute joy for us to bless our kids. To, to, to give them things, to reward them with things. And sometimes we do it just because they're our kids. Sometimes we bless them just because of who they are, just because they're Luke and Avery, they're our kids, they belong to us, let's go get ice cream, you know, or whatever. Like we just bless them just because. But then other times we bless them because of something that they have done, because they have met a certain set of criteria. They have positioned themselves to receive blessing that is over and above the blessing that we would normally just give them because they're our kids. And Every time that we bless them, whether it's just because or because of something that they've done or something that they've earned, every time we bless them, it's always because we love them. And I've come to find out that it's the same way with God. Sometimes he blesses us simply because of who we are. 
He just loves us. We talked about that already. Like he sent his son to die in our place just because he loves us. There was nothing that we could do to earn that. There was nothing that we could do to position ourselves. We were, we were dirty, filthy sinners, but God saw fit to love us so much that he sent his one and only son so that we could have eternal life. That was just a blessing. But then there's other times throughout the scriptures as we read that, that there is actually um, sometimes that God blesses us and those blessings are contingent upon the things that we do. That everybody doesn't get these same blessings. Everybody doesn't fit the criteria that there's some things that we can do to receive even more from God, but we have to position ourselves. We have, we have to put ourselves in the place in order to be able to receive them. And so my, my question for us this morning is, is there anybody out there that has ever desired a greater blessing from God? Anybody ever thought like, God, like I could, oh, oh just two people, okay. God, you're blessing everybody, like 98% of the people, they're satisfied, they don't want any more of you, but two people, anybody ever want, like thought like I could use more blessing from God? Like, I, I, yeah, there we go, there we go. We've desired this, this blessing. And, and, and have you ever wondered, like, along with that, like, like, what if there is a way that we could better position ourselves to receive greater blessings from God? And, and if there is a way that we could do that, if there is a way that we could position ourselves to receive even more of the blessings that our Heavenly Father wants to give us, then wouldn't we wanna do that? Like, wouldn't that make sense? Wouldn't that be something that, that we would want to do in our lives? And the, the good news is, is that we aren't the first people to have those kinds of desires. And we're also not the first people to ask those kinds of questions. In fact, the, the Bible dresses, addresses that head on and Jesus did it here in Matthew chapter 25 um, by teaching or telling a story. Jesus would often tell stories or um, some of you, maybe you've heard the term parable uh, is what these stories are called. He would often use parables to illustrate a concept or a principle that he wanted to convey. And in the passage that we're about to read together, Jesus tells the story of a master and his three servants, okay? And those are words that we don't use anymore, master and servant. In fact, they kind of have negative connotations um, in the world that we live in today. So instead of master and servant, as we read through this passage this morning, I just want you to think, think of it in terms of employer and his three employees, okay? Like maybe that'll make it a little bit easier, a little more relevant for 2019, an employer and his three employees. So don't get hung up on the language. Um, but we're gonna jump in together to the gospel of Matthew chapter 25, and we're gonna start all the way down in uh, verse 14 together, okay? Um, Matthew 25, verse 14. My Bible reads, the kingdom of heaven is like, okay, let me stop right there because it's, this is, this is some good stuff right here. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like, this tells you right off the bat, we are not dealing with the way the world works. 
in what we're getting ready to talk about this morning. We're talking about on a, on a whole other plane, like, like the way the world works and the way the world goes about things, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even like, there's, there's no connectivity. Like this is something totally different. It's in a whole other realm, the kingdom of heaven. This is how the kingdom of heaven operates. And, and for those of us that have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we need to stop worrying about the way the world operates and we need to get our mind and our, our attitude and our actions focused on the way the kingdom of heaven operates because if we put our trust in Jesus, that's where we're going. And this world that we live in, I'm gonna preach for just a second this morning, this world that we live in, it is passing away and we are going to a place that operates on the principles of how heaven works. And so we might as well get our practice in while we're here because that's where we're headed. We might as well get used to it now while we are on earth. So the kingdom of heaven, verse 14, is like a man who was going to another place for a visit. Before he left, he called for his servants and told them to take care of his things while he was gone. He gave one servant five bags of gold, another servant two bags of gold, and a third servant one bag of gold, each one as much as he could handle. Then he left. All right, so before we go on any further in our passage today, it's important for us to know that the overall principle that is being conveyed by this entire passage, this story that Jesus is teaching, is faithful stewardship. That's the concept that we're talking about today. And, and while we can certainly apply this concept of faithful stewardship to any area of our lives, like our time, our talent, our testimony, et cetera, on and on and on. It is important to note that in this passage, Jesus is specifically talking about money. The translation that I'm using this morning says bags of gold, but the translation you may be reading might say something like talent. In fact, that's one of the common words. And so, so that translates, that, that word talent, that doesn't necessarily, it, it, what, it's not talking about like, like a skill that you would obtain. A talent in Jesus' time was a measurement of gold or silver. It was an amount of gold or silver. And so it would have been clear to the audience that Jesus was speaking to when he communicated this and he said that word talent that it would have been clear to the people listening to him that he was talking about money. And it's clear to me that right off the bat from, uh, from the beginning of this passage, that we are given monetary resources and blessings by God based on our ability to handle or to steward them correctly. The, the master gave his servants five bags, two bags, one bag, each in accordance with what they were able to handle. And so then the implication for us this morning is that perhaps the reason some of us don't have more is because we haven't yet learned to faithfully steward what God has already blessed us with. But the good news is, is that God doesn't just throw this concept out there and then leave it. God gives us insight into the principles of faithful stewardship throughout his word. And we continue on in our passage today, picking up in verse 16. 
The servant who got five bags of gold went quickly to invest the money and earned five more bags. In the same way, the servant who had two bags invested them and earned two more. But the servant who got one bag went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So two of the servants put the master's money to work by investing the things that they had been entrusted with while the other servant simply held on to and ultimately hid what the master had entrusted him with. And I've come to find out that we tend to hide the things in our life that we're ashamed of. That the servant who was given the one bag of gold, he, he felt disgraced because his amount wasn't as large as the other amounts. And so rather than, rather than using it for a blessing, he looked at it as this is too small. And so rather than using it to receive a blessing and to make an investment and bring an increase, he decided that he was gonna hold on to it, that he was gonna hide it, that he was going to put it away. And we've developed this broken mentality when it comes to looking at our money. And we tend to focus on everything we don't have instead of everything that we do have. We start to look at all the things out there that we would like and we overlook the stuff that God has already given us to work with. And, and we tend to take this kind of attitude, well, they have more than me and it's not fair. It's not fair. And we say, well, well, if I made as much money as they did, I could give like they give. If I had that much money, I could be generous the way that they're generous. No, the truth is you're not being generous now. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you're still not going to be generous. It's not an amount, it's an attitude problem. And so we, we have this thing, we, we, we take on this attitude that, God, if, if you would only bless me more, then I would be able to be a blessing to others. But what God is asking us to do is to be a blessing with the things that we already have. Verse 19, Matthew 25. After a long time, the master came home and asked the servants what they did with his money. We can't ever forget, it's all his money. It's all God's money. Don't you for one second think that anything you have is because of anything that you did. No, it's because God saw fit to bless you with it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. God has given you the things that you have because that's what you're able to handle. And every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. It's not something that we have done. It's what he has done for us. And so we've got to change our mindset in terms of the way that we look at our money. It is all God's but he entrusts us with it because he is a good, good father who wants nothing more than to bless his children. It's all his, but yet he gives it to us so that we can use it for our benefit. Amen? Verse 20. The servant who was given five bags of gold brought five more bags of gold to the master and said, Master, you trusted me to care for five bags, so I used your five bags to earn five more. And the master answered, you did well. You are a good and loyal servant because you were loyal with small things. I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. 
Then the servant who had been given two bags of gold came to the master and said, Master, you gave me two bags of gold to care for, so I used your two bags to earn two more. And the master answered, You did well. You are a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my joy with me. Now, the the master calls these two servants in particular, he calls them loyal. And when you look at the original language, the the original Greek, it's it's the word pistos. And it literally means, it literally translates faithful. It means that, that they did what they were supposed to do and they did it consistently in accordance with the resources that they had been blessed with. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a, it was a lifestyle change that they did, and they, they continued on and on and on in the faithfulness and the consistency of the work that they had been called to do. And because of that, they were rewarded. And so not only did the master recognize the faithful stewardship of his servants, but he rewarded it by giving them even more than what he had given them in the first place. And it's this principle that if, if, we, will, if we will be faithful with small things, then God will entrust us with greater things. We don't start out with a humongous live oak tree. We start out with an acorn and God says, take that acorn and plant it in the ground and till the soil and fertilize and water and sunlight and then watch it grow into a sapling, into a tree and then on and on and on. If you'll be faithful here when it's small, when you don't seem to have enough, then I'm going to grant you the blessings of having having even more on the back end. But it's not only that. Not only were they rewarded with more bags of gold, but the master said that they were able to share in his joy. And so what God is, is his joy is to bless his people through giving and generosity. And when we will be faithful stewards of the resources that he has entrusted us with, then we will then have the ability to experience the joy of blessing others through giving and generosity. In other words, we are going to be blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Verse 24 of Matthew 25. Then the servant who had been given one bag of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. You harvest things you did not plant. You gather crops where you did not sow any seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your money in the ground. Here is your bag of gold. Listen, when it comes to our money, when it comes to the mentality that we have towards our money, We cannot be afraid. We cannot have a fear mindset towards our money. And there are some of us that we are so afraid to let go of the money that we have and turn control over it to God and do things his way. We're afraid of letting go. We're afraid that if we invest in God's kingdom, that we're not going to have enough to live in our earthly one. Isn't it funny though, that so many of us so-called Christians will trust God with our eternity, but we won't trust him with our bank account. That's out of whack. That doesn't make sense. We will trust God with forever, but we won't trust him with something that one day is going to cease 
to exist. We will, we will trust him with something that is infinite, but we won't trust him with something that is, that is finite. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that many of us, we expect to receive the full blessing of God, but we're only willing to offer him partial obedience. That doesn't make sense. It's messed up thinking. And and the book of Malachi in the Old Testament actually says that this kind of behavior, that it cheats and robs God. In Malachi 3, verses 6 through 8, we read, I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return to you when we have never gone away? And God says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did I ever cheat you? You have cheated me on the tithes and the offerings due to me. Now that word tithe right there, it's it's a Hebrew word and it literally means 10th. And the indication here is that the first tenth of the income of God's people should be set aside and returned back to God. And that our offerings that are mentioned, those are gifts over and above that initial tenth. See, here's something that we need to understand when it comes to the tithe. We don't give God our tithes. We return to him his tithe. See, we can't give something that doesn't belong to us in the first place. We can only return it. You don't go to your neighbor and say, here, I'm giving you your screwdriver. No, you're just returning it because you borrowed it the other day. So God has let us borrow his money and we just return that portion back to him that he asks of us. And then God says that if we will do that, if we will will return to him, then he will return to us. And the principle, the way that money works, even here in the world, is that if we want a return, we first have to release. We We can't get a return. We can't receive any interest on something that we haven't let go of yet. God can't bless what we're still holding on to. So if we want to return on it, then we've got to release it unto him. And to make the choice not to return to God what is his, that's called stealing. That is a direct violation of one of the Ten Commandments. I'll say it in the King James, thou shalt not steal. That's how you know it's legit. So to refuse to return to God what is his That's stealing. And when we choose to live this way, you and I need to know there are consequences that come along with it. There are consequences. Back to Matthew 25 in verse 26. The master's talking to the servant that hid the one bag of gold and did nothing with it. It says, the master answered, you are a wicked and lazy servant. You say you knew that I harvest things I did not plant and that I gather crops where I did not sow any seed. So you should have put my gold in the bank. Then when I came home, I would have received my gold back with interest. So the master told his other servants, take the bag of gold from that servant and give it to the servant who has 10 bags of gold. 
Those who have much will get more, and they will have much more than they need. But those who do not have much will have everything taken away from them. Then the master said, throw that useless servant outside into the darkness where people cry and grind their teeth with pain. The consequences of us not faithfully stewarding what God has generally blessed us with will result in even that being taken away. See, for a lot of us, the reason that we live from paycheck to paycheck or from financial crisis to financial crisis, back and forth and back and forth, is because we simply are not properly stewarding the resources with which God has entrusted us. And that begins with the tithe. And I've known a lot of people over the course of my life and over the course of my ministry, and and I've heard a lot of conversations around tithing and, and for people to say, I can't afford to tithe. I beg to differ with you. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to tithe because you need these blessings of God in your life. Let's take a look again at Malachi 3, continuing on in that passage with verse 9. God says, for those that have withheld the tithe and the offering, he says, you are under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Then God says, bring all the tithes. How much of it? All of it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, man, I'm so glad this is in there. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now watch this. If you do this, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You and I have a choice. We don't have to live under a curse. We can step out from under the curse and into the blessings of what God has for us simply by returning to him what is his. And here's the blessing. If we tithe then God will provide so much we won't have room for it all. We will move from being given only that which we are able to handle to more than we even know what to do with. That's the trade-off. First, he gives us only what we can handle. But when we give that back to him, then he gives us so much we won't know what to do with it. God even issues a challenge in this. He says, put me to the test. Test me and see. See if I won't do it. And then the blessing goes further than that. Not only if we test him in this, not only will there be provision from God, not only will there be be a return on our investment, there will be provision, but there will also be protection. 
He says that our crops are going to be guarded from insects and disease. They will grow to be ripe. And and some translations say that, that God will rebuke the devourer over our lives. And then as we live this way, other people will look at us, all nations, everyone around us, they will look at us and they will say, that person is blessed. They must be doing something right. I need to figure out how to get on their level. I need to figure out what's happening in their life. And so practically speaking, because I want to bring this to practical terms. I know we've been talking up here. Practically speaking, like what, is, what does this look like? What does this look like in our life? I think it looks a lot like this ladder right here. To me, it looks a lot like this. And these are the blessings of God, and they're up here at the top. And here we are. And so God has given us a, an outline or a guideline to follow in order to position ourselves to be able to take hold of his greater blessings. And, and you'll notice that, that as we climb this ladder, the closer we get to the top, the easier it becomes for us to take hold of the blessings of God. But it's, it's also important to note that, that the higher you get on the ladder, the, the narrower the steps become. Because the, the greater the sacrifice, the lesser the participation. See, some of us, we're, not, we're just not willing to go there. So down here, it's wide and it's a little bit easier. And I don't want to fool you. Like, like as you climb this ladder, it's going to get harder. It's going to become more difficult. More sacrifice is required. So, I mean, I, I, I want to, I I you know, try to preach the truth to you. As, as sacrifice increases, participation decreases. But remember, God says to test him in this. So how can we test him? We test him by taking steps. And the first step, this is first time giving. First time giving right here. Some of you have never, ever given as an act of worship before. You've never given God any money. You come in here and you eat for free every Sunday. And you've never returned back to God anything. Never made any kind of investment. And we try to make it easy for you. We've got three simple ways for you to do it. There's some silver boxes in the back with envelopes below them. You can place your gift, write your name, fill it out, drop it in the, in the envelope. There's, there's give.thechristwalk.com. You can set it up online. You can do it easily as a, as a bank transfer. You can even set it up to recur if, if you want to, or the easiest way, the quickest way, the way that I give um, is text to give, 84321. Just punch it in, put in your amount. You send it to, send it in comes directly to the church. But hear me, don't give because I said, okay? I'm not asking you to give. So don't hear that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not asking you to give. I want you to give because I, I want, as the spiritual father of this house, I want my children to be blessed. And so I want you to give because it's being obedient and faithful to God's word. That's why I would encourage you to give. But, but as, as the pastor of Christ Walk Church, I will never intentionally ask you to give anything. I will, however, regularly provide opportunities 
for you to worship the Lord with your giving, but I'm never going to intentionally ask you to give anything. Here's what you need to understand. God, he doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, our our heart follows the things that we are financially invested in. It doesn't say that where our heart is, there our treasure will be. No, where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Our heart follows the things that we are financially invested in. And so if, if we want a heart that follows after God, then we should be financially invested in his kingdom. If we want a heart that follows after God, we should be financially invested into his kingdom. So some of us, we need to give for the first time. If you've never done that before, today's your day. You can give for the first time. Second step. This is percentage giving right here. Some of you today, you've given before, but it's been once or twice, a handful of times. It's sporadically You only give when there's a surplus instead of setting aside part of your income to give regularly, to return to God consistently. And some of you right now, even as I talk, like you're getting really upset and you're crunching numbers in your head and you're thinking, man, there is no 10% of my income. There's no way. There's, I've got this payment over here and I've got this payment over and I got this thing and we got this and that and, and there's just no way. Okay, so then what could you give? 1%, 3%, 5%, 1%, what could it be? I didn't say it was gonna be easy. Like you're going to have to make a sacrifice. Let me be clear, it's going to be a sacrifice. Yes, it's money that you could use elsewhere, that you could spend on other things, but this is the greatest investment ever that we're talking about here. So what could you give? Some of you need to decide today, God, I'm gonna put you to the test. And starting today, 1% of my income, 3% of my income, 5% of my income, whatever. And I'm gonna work my way up from where I'm at to get to 10%. I'm gonna work my way up. Put God to the test and see if he won't be faithful in the return. Put him to the test. He told us to, so let's do it. Let's honor his word and let's be obedient. Put him to the test. First step, first time giving. Second step, percentage giving. Third step, here we go. We're really cooking now. Oh, I've done knocked off God's blessing. Sarah, can you help me out? <laughs> this isn't a perfect system here, friends. Like, this object, like, what I'm talking about, it is a perfect system. The object lesson may be a little flawed. <laughs> this is tithing. This is the step right here where you begin to walk in full obedience to the Lord by returning 10% of your income to God. And remember, it's all his anyways. He's just allowing you to keep 90% of it. When, When you tithe at Christ Walk Church, you allow us to put feet on the mission and the vision of this house. It allows us to keep the lights on It allows us to run the air conditioning. Can I get an amen, somebody? Can I get a witness? It allows us to provide free coffee in the lobby and to give away first, second, and third time uh, gifts to our guests. 
It allows us to hire staff to oversee the various ministries of the church. It allows us to maintain this beautiful building and the property with which God has entrusted us. And, and, and we tithe as a church, we tithe on our tithes. 10% of the tithe that comes in is given to our denomination, the Church of God, to support kingdom building efforts both at a national level and an international level. But over and above that, when I became the pastor, I said, I want us to do something even more. And so not only do we tithe 10% of our tithe to our denomination, but last year we designated 2.5% of that tithe to go to missions and outreach efforts both locally and globally. This year it's 5%, next year it's going to be 7.5%, and then in year four it's going to be 10%. So we're actually going to be tithing 20% on our tithe to give that away because we, this place, we are going to be a church of generosity and that's what we're going to do. And so not only are, are we teaching about good stewardship from this platform, but we are practicing good stewardship in our business practices from the office. And just as a reminder, we're 100% debt free, by the way. So that's tithing, first step, first time giving, second step, percentage giving, third step, tithing, 10%, fourth step. Fourth step, yeah, that's right, this is when it gets crazy. Some of you are like, there's a fourth step? I thought we were done at tithe. No, see, what you don't understand is, is tithe is the floor, not the ceiling. There's a step beyond that. In Malachi 3, God doesn't talk about just the tithe. He says your tithe and offerings. And an offering is anything over and above the 10%. See, once we get into this position right here, it becomes very easy for us to realize God's blessings in our life. But we don't give to get. That's just a byproduct. Just a byproduct of what happens. We don't give to get, it's just a byproduct of our giving. We give because God gave to us first. We talked about it already. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. It's right there. Most famous verse of the Bible ever talks about God's faithful stewardship. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And the gift that you and I have been given, it's worth so much more than 10%. And those that have made it to this place in their lives have come to realize that, that the blessings of God are not in earthly possessions. We get up here and we, we get this close and we realize the blessings the whole time have been the opportunity to give and to be generous. That is the blessing that God wants us to experience. That's what the master was talking about when he told his servants, come and share my joy with me. That the more we have, it's not for us, it's for us to be a blessing for others. See, we haven't been created to be consumers of God's blessings. We've been created to be conduits to share God's blessings with the world around us. So this is generous or extravagant giving. And there's a process. I don't know where you're at in it. But these are the steps that you could take. Give for the first time. Begin to give a percentage regularly. 
Work your way up to 10% where you're regularly and consistently tithing 10% of the, the first 10% of your income, not the, not the back 10%, the first 10% of your income. And then some of you, you've been living there for a long time. It's time to do even more. God's wanting to stretch you. He's wanting you to become an extravagant giver. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. Don't leave here today and go to lunch and talk about how all Pastor Blake and all Christ Walk does, they only want my money. That's the only reason they're interested in me. That's a lie from the devil. It's simply not true. Christ Walk Church is a church and I'm a pastor. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And if you'll honor these principles in your life, you will receive blessing that God's gonna open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing in your life, you won't be able to contain it all. That is what I want for our people. And the enemy's trying to distract us and everything because he doesn't want you to hear the things that I'm saying. He doesn't want you to hear the truth that I'm proclaiming this morning. But you need to know that I'm not creating an expectation that you do something that I'm not doing. You need to know that only, not only do, do I teach about this stuff, but Sarah and I, we practice these principles. We live by them. This is how we conduct our life. And just because I'm sitting up here all high and mighty on top of my ladder, don't for one second, don't for one second think that I've never been in the place that you're in Listen, I've been in that place before. I was even on staff at a church and I took the mindset and the approach that I could not afford to tithe, that we didn't have enough money. I took a poverty mindset. It was a broken mindset towards giving, but I had people around me who lovingly guided me and shepherded me and showed me the truth and the value of being obedient to God and his word so that I could step out from under the curse and walk in the full blessings of God in my life. And it's made all the difference. See, I grew up in a household too where these principles have been modeled for me. And my mom and dad are here this morning and this is just a happy accident. But I've seen firsthand the sacrifices that they've made over the years. And there's nobody that I know personally that practices this kind of faithful stewardship more than those two people right there. And they don't do it for a hand clap. They don't do it for accolades. They're probably gonna be mad at me that I even said anything about it. But they do it because they found that obedience to the Lord is where it's at. And it's made all the difference. Don't just take my word for it though. Go find a tither. Go find someone who lives this kind of lifestyle and ask them, do you regret it? Ask them if their needs have gone unmet. Ask them if God has proved faithful or not. Every single person that I know that lives a lifestyle like this will tell you that God's word is 100% true. And that you can, you can take it to the bank, pun intended. You can put your trust in it. He is not, 
He's not going to fail on the promises that he has proclaimed. That They will tell you that they are blessed beyond measure because of their willingness to walk in this kind of lifestyle. And so my question as we close out this morning, what can you do today to move towards faithful stewardship in your life? What step do you need to take today to move out from under the curse and into the full blessings that God has for you? Some of you, you need to give for the first time. Some of you, you need to become a percentage giver and start giving God a regular portion of your income as you work your way up to 10%. Some of you, you need to step up into the 10% and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fully obey God with my finances. And then others of you, you need to invest extravagantly and generously into the kingdom of God over and above that 10% and then sit back and watch what God is going to do in your life. Not because I said so, but because his word says so. And because he said we should put him to the test. And we'll get closer and closer to receiving his blessings only to realize that the blessing was the opportunity to give in the first place. That's faithful stewardship right there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. I thank you that despite distractions, Lord, that the truth of your word has gone forth. God, as I've spent time preparing and praying for this message, Lord, I've prayed that this would not be generated by selfish ambition or impure motives. But God, that my heart would be seen. And that more importantly, that people would see your heart for them. And that they would come to walk in the fullness of the blessings that you have for them. God, I pray that you would help your people to step out in courage to make the sacrifice necessary, to climb the ladder of giving and generosity so that they can receive the fullness of your blessings in their life. And thank you also that up to this point, I haven't fallen off. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. I'm gonna climb down. Crystal's coming out to close out the service. Thank you guys so much for being here. I love you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.